Welcome to Zero Knowledge, a podcast where we explore the latest in blockchain technology and the decentralized web. The show is hosted by me, Anna. And me, Frederick. In this episode, we sit down with Henry from Streamer to talk about P2P networks, PubSub protocols, data marketplaces, and more. So today we're sitting with Henry Picala. Hi, Henry. Hi, hi, hi. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, maybe to kick off, it would be really cool to hear a little bit about you. Where are you from? What are you doing? Okay. So my name is Henry. I'm the CEO of Streamer. Um, I have a technical background. I'm a Finnish guy. I somehow ended up CEO uh, after various turns of, of luck or unluck. But anyway, here we are. Um, deeply interested in the decentralized space and blockchain, of course. And now trying to see that the Streamer project reaches its goals which i'm sure we can talk about in this episode as well very cool so can you just like give me the the one line description of what streamer is i i think that's good just before we dig into like the deeper topics here um what what do you work on yeah so we're working on the decentralized real-time data protocol for for web3 basically so creating a decentralized pub sub network and some layers on top of that um, an incentivization layer to allow nodes to to monetize their idle bandwidth and storage as well as then actual value in the data and we're talking about you know data sharing data monetization data marketplaces stuff like that when did this company start well it's a long history i mean we've done this for a long time in various forms it's when it's gone like from uh, algorithmic trading or like developing trading bots uh, to more general like cloud-based real-time data infrastructure and from there into the decentralized space so i've been working with real-time data like for more than 10 years and also with the same people uh, for a long time so we've taken different paths to arrive here but i think this is the this is the step that feels like we feel more most passion about because it truly has the best potential to kind of change the world and how applications are built and how data is used and owned and monetized and shared and and all of that so we feel that this is disruptive and we can be a part of like building something um something completely new into the world you mentioned earlier um uh, sort of decentralized pub sub messaging and uh I guess messaging in general is a, is a like core part of what you work on. Um, for like the developers in the audience, they they might have heard PubSub before in different contexts. Um, like even a parody node has like PubSub on. You know, you can subscribe to events on the blockchain, and the parody node will publish it. But um, decentralized PubSub is something a little bit different. Maybe can you give a high level view of what that is? 
Yeah, definitely. And maybe first define define what we mean exactly by PubSub. So, of course, publish, subscribe, right? So it's a messaging pattern that consists of publishers who publish messages onto topics. So topics topics are like collections of of events. And then there are subscribers who these messages are delivered to. And this is a highly, highly, highly useful primitive because it decouples the data producers from the data consumers. So from the data producer side, it's mostly like fire and forget kind of stuff that you do. The producers don't need to know who the recipient of that message will be. They just post it out there onto the system and the subscribers will receive them in real time. And you can, of course, have things like, you know, storage and message persistence happening there and, and so on. Um, and this is being used very, very widely in, in many different kind of applications, ranging from, you know, fine financial data distribution to, uh, instant messaging applications, all kind of like gossip layers and stuff happening inside other networks and, and so on. And of course, real time applications, um, devices reacting to each other's data and, and all this. So typically, and, and so far, this has been done using some kind of centralized message hubs, um, maybe consisting of just one server or a cluster of servers. But anyway, this is something that's available in typical cloud services uh, on you know azure amazon you know you name it they they have it um and now as we see that kind of decentralized service layers are starting to form um we decided that hey this is something that we want to take to the decentralized space because it removes removes the trust from there it improves the kind of efficiency of the overall network and removes also the vendor lock-in. If you build a system that um, relies on the cloud services or a particular um, particular system to be there uh, used as the backend or the framework, then you're kind of married with that system for for a long time. And of course, the commercial players have their commercial interests in in offering these services so by building a decentralized system we can probably achieve like better cost effectiveness and all the like you know benefits of trustlessness and so on and of course maybe also offer the kind of incentive layer that allows you to uh, make something useful out of your idle idle storage or idle bandwidth by joining into the network and uh, helping helping others run it you just mentioned um how the publisher is sort of, from what I understood, the publisher's putting it out. Is this similar to like that concept of broadcasting? Is that the word you would use there? Or yeah, yeah, broadcasting is like um, like a one-to-many pattern basically. So with a pub sub system, you can have all the different variations. You could have like one to one basically you could have a, a topic with one producer and one consumer and it would be like a you know private channel equivalent in a in an instant messaging system then broadcasting would be something where there's one publisher and a number of subscribers and maybe uh, the analog would maybe be like a read-only telegram uh, channel right where only one person can post but there could be many um 
reading and then you can have of course a many-to-many pattern as well uh, maybe analogous uh, analogous to the group chat you know uh, but this is this is like a group chat for machines in a sense to have this uh, you know machine data oriented pub sub going on and maybe that's worth just making that distinction because i think when you hear the word messaging um, you often have this idea of like text, me- like some sort of human language messaging. But as I imagine, we're not talking about that here. No, not at all. So, uh, well, well, why not? Of course, someone could implement like a a decentralized instant messaging for humans as well. And there are some, for example, there's the status uh, guys who are using uh, using the Whisper protocol for for their um, messaging feature there. But mainly what happens in our network is that we're looking into use cases in the space of of IoT, smart cities, also some financial data, maybe due to our our background in finance and, and so on. So it's mostly machine data generated by sensors, applications, all kind of metrics and telemetrics, you know, connected cars, mobile phones, things like this. So usually not really human interaction, but it could be we're not uh, in any way like opinionated about what what can be on the network. You can use it for any kind of applications. I want to just quickly dig in a little bit into sort of to get an idea of what you've already built and, and like how this already works. When I think about PubSub, I, I think very much of just like the network layer. Like you can you can PubSub over UDP mm-hmm. or, or over you know, over like TCP or like I, I'm I've used a lot of like zero MQ in my days in in the past and they have this yeah. model very nicely implemented but in for for like a centralized system. Um, so what do you have and, and like how do you actually broadcast stuff on the network level? Yeah, so we're working in um, kind of incrementally towards decentralization. So we started off with a fully centralized system, uh, pretty similar to what you've used before with zero MQ. So we were using like uh, frameworks like Kafka, Cassandra, and Redis there, like traditional ways of building this like a, a cloud service for that. Um, and implemented like storage of messages and some playback functionality and stuff like that. And currently we are working for the, um, working on the first peer to peer version so we don't yet have that up and running it's in the works now and should be deployed into our um, um, production version um, in maybe like three to six months so it's making quite nice process it still won't have all the things required for for a like fully decentralized system in terms of like giving certain security guarantees um, on the network, but it, um, so we'll first deploy that as a kind of uh, version where we run all the nodes and then we can start expanding from there. Maybe allow some of our partners to run nodes and eventually allow anyone to run a node. But by that time, we're going to need to, um, have all those things like end to end encryption happening there and be more prepared, um, against some, 
like ill-behaving nodes and mal- malicious activity in the network. So that's the hard part of of building the network overall. And in addition to the network layer, we of course have some stuff on top. So we're kind of taking a, a, a kind of full stack approach. So we also launched in May this year a data marketplace. It's built on top of Ethereum and smart contracts and using the kind of network layer below uh, it for data delivery. So this is um, something where you can like um, post the data streams. It's like a discovery layer of sorts into the content that's on the network. So you can you can post a product there. It can be free. It can have a price. Uh, if it has a price, you can buy it. Um, and, and gain access to that data. So this offers like a channel for data monetization. And it's been a super interesting, uh, experiment for us to, uh, to try various ideas around that topic. And another tool that we have is like this visual programming, uh, environment, which can be used to build, for example, data integrations or simple analytics or even oracles for for smart contracts. So there might be, for example, a data process that subscribes to some stream from the network, monitors it, and when certain conditions are met, or maybe periodically they could um, send out a transaction to a smart contract on the Ethereum blockchain or stuff like that. So it's quite versatile. It's been on a back burner now since we've been focusing um, in the spring on the marketplace and currently on the network. But, but all these go together in a way that's pretty nice for the user as you get the kind of technical infra- infrastructure on the network layer and then you get the kind of applications on top. And even though all kinds of applications can be built on top of the network layer, of course, but I think the marketplace and the kind of um, um, pro- like processing tool are pretty stable uh, staple items in this kind of uh, ecosystem yeah yeah like there's a very it's a very special type of developer that will build something directly on top of the network layer most people will want other like the intermediary things to build (laughs) build things yeah some some assistance there for sure and especially building like in integration just getting data like it's typically being served from some existing api maybe a rest api or websocket api or some iot uh, protocol like mqtt and then you want to take that data and publish it onto the network and that's something that yeah. can be made quite easy with the tooling that we have. But honestly, we're not quite there yet in terms of user experience, but it's something that we'll kind of um, be working on further down the road. But what you describe on the network layer, it sounds, I mean, it sounds like you're basically trying to build out the, the idea that everyone runs a, a node of some sort and you have you know your traditional you know dht discovery to like find peers on the network and find people who are you know listening to the things that you're broadcasting uh, and then you you're off um, but this sounds pretty similar to something like whisper yeah it it has the same same principle but very different goals so so whisper is much more privacy oriented right it's been designed from a perspective of anonymity and location obfuscation 
and that also leads to certain choices being made in the network topology for example messages in whisper typically trans uh, like go over many many hops to hide the origin of the message whereas we uh, for our use cases we are more focused on on things like trying to minimize the latency and maximize the throughput of the network so the idea is similar but the the kind of use cases that you have in mind affect both the structure of the network as well as the parameterization of the network and these things lead to very different um, outcomes in the end so we first had this dream of maybe we could use whisper for for our use case but when you dig deeper and deeper and deeper you discover that okay so the requirements are so different that we do need to build something of our own really for for our use case I think like any existing protocol out there could of course be kind of extended but then you hit then you hit the kind of fundamental design principles of each protocol and notice that yeah we actually need to take take a different approach. Yeah. I kind of wanted to understand a little bit more where this fits into sort of the larger web3 tech mm-hmm. stack and what you would be working with. So do you because as you've just described it, it almost sounds like a standalone thing. But I, I imagine that it has to interact with a lot of other things. So where does it live? Yeah. So basically, it is a standalone thing, but it has certain bindings to to other stuff that's, that's out there. So for example, uh, I mentioned earlier the incentive layer that we're looking to build on top of this, like base protocol layer. And that, of course, is something that we... Uh, uh, it's not an island, right? So it, it has interactions. And currently we are working in the Ethereum ecosystem that hosts our ERC20 token um, and so on. And we're also planning to use certain like cryptographic uh, choices made in the Ethereum ecosystem. For example, we could use Ethereum identities on the streamer network. That would be uh, very straightforward as like representing uh, some data producer on the streamer network would be some Ethereum address. And later when we will build this incentive layer, uh, it, it all kind of automagically works together in that sense. Um, so that's something we're pretty excited about. In the longer term vision, we see that the streamer network could even arc over multiple different blockchain ecosystems. But uh, yeah, I don't know how feasible that is at the moment and it's certainly something that we'll be looking into like much much further down the road so so let's see in terms of technology I mean we use libp2p which is also a building block in for example IPFS and related technologies so that's something we've taken as a kind of starting point to aid us you can get some like useful transports from there some you know kademlia dht they even have a pub sub implementation currently it's very very early for that they have like a naive um uh, message delivery algorithm there just that just floods the network with with the messages so it's not really scalable those guys are also working on improvements to to that protocol uh, working on something called gossip sub 
it looks pretty interesting i mean we um we might like contribute to that development or start using that or build something mm. uh, of our own it's it's something that we're kind of looking for direction at the moment because the guarantees given and needed by each system is um, is so different so for us for example it's important to have things like uh, guarantees of delivery and guarantees of message order so that if someone produces like messages one two three four five we want the recipient to receive messages one two three four five and not not for example four two and three and one and five not at all you know so <laughs> um, <clears throat> this is something that could maybe be built on top of a protocol that gives less guarantees about things. So this is something that we're actively like experimenting with and researching at the moment. Would you, so in your early documentation around the project, there was a lot of talk of it being an off-chain solution. Is that still the way you think about it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So this is like a data layer that is a, a companion network for a blockchain. So as we don't like, Blockchains are expensive and non-scalable today, and typically it makes no sense to put data onto a blockchain. It's also slow. I mean, it's, it's not good for data delivery, even if every transaction is indeed broadcasted to the, to the network. But, but still, like, it, it makes no sense. So for us, uh, we realized that, yeah, we can bring something to the table by creating, creating this real-time data layer on top of the blockchain and, and relate it to the blockchain, but it's not a blockchain. So we're not building another blockchain. <laughs> there's, there's quite a few of those already. So, so what we want to contribute instead is to, is to build this data network. And it fits into the larger picture of, of, you know, Web3 and all the kind of infrastructure services getting decentralized over time. I think like today when people talk about dApps, they basically mean a front end plus a smart contract back end in there. But I think it will be much broader in scope than that. I mean, all the all the cloud services we use today you got your you got your virtual machines you got your file storage you got your databases you got your uh, real-time data pipelines all of these will eventually be replaced by decentralized alternatives and this is already happening like with uh, ipfs and filecoin in in the file storage with golem in the kind of computing power and virtual machine and con containerization of uh, applications uh, with uh, i don't know you know big chain db on the database side and with streamer on the kind of real-time data messaging and um, and real-time data pipeline sector so these all will work together to enable much more um, flexible uh, dapps um, in in the future I would all, almost like you said before, you might be able to use more blockchains. Rather than saying that Streamer lives on top of a blockchain, I would almost say that it lives below a blockchain. It's sort of like a, a core maybe. building piece. And then, like maybe you'd like want to, you know, pay for data in Bitcoin and use Ethereum as the identity solution. You actually use both blockchains at the same time in this network. 
Yeah, exactly. Maybe maybe it's not like two-dimensional even. Uh, the Ethereum guys said that for Ethereum 2.0, they're going to need like a PubSub system for uh, for the gossip protocol related to the uh, sharding algorithm that, that they have. So it, would the PubSub be below the blockchain or inside the blockchain or above <laughs> the blockchain or on the side of the blockchain? Yeah, I, off, I don't know. Off the blockchain. <laughs> Does it even matter? <laughs> where where exactly it is yeah it, it's it's connected to the blockchain for sure that's that's something that we know <laughs> i like the idea of basically you're building a system that that you know has some property that you want like you know being able to quickly send data or like high throughput low latency network and then you use the features of a blockchain that are unique. So, I mean, you're in, in essence using a blockchain. Like you're saying, today a DAP is you know, a JavaScript page on top of a smart contract. Yeah. I think it's pretty clear that um, in the future, a DAP will encompass a lot more. Um, the question is just like, what, what will the developer tools look like? What will it look like for a user? A user obviously doesn't want to run, run like 20 different peer-to-peer nodes on their computer. So like at some <laughs> yeah, point... Yeah, uh, exactly. Which is like Whisper's uh, initial goal was also to like... It's not a blockchain thing, really. It's only using like the Ethereum blockchain as, an, as a network. Like it's using the nodes yeah. as a discovery method. So instead of like running another node to do messaging, you just build it on top of the existing Ethereum network. And as far as I know, it's whispers moving away a little bit from that now, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I think it was a, a nice idea in the beginning, but each of these systems, like if you think about the original Ethereum protocol stack involving these different parts, it's quite ambitious. And maybe each of those actually has their own, uh, like requirements and don't find themselves comfortable living in the same network uh, anymore. So, so <laughs> yeah, time time changes things. I sort of want to go back to something you were saying before about messaging. You had mentioned the benefits of de- decentralizing this. You mm-hmm. talked about efficiency or the fact that right now, if you don't, you're married to like an enterprise system. But can you explain why it would actually be more efficient? The efficiency can be measured, of course, in, in many, many kind of ways. And the cloud providers do take good care of providing an efficient system. But especially if you think about cost efficiency, like what does it cost to run this kind of system? The, the cloud providers and commercial players, they're, of course, looking to make their, you know, profit margins and so on. So, so you're not only paying for the actual technical service, you're also pro- paying for their profit. And in a decentralized system that that would be a little bit different in terms of the mac- mechanics that it that it can employ another reason is that with a with a global network with nodes you know all over the place you might be able to get the data from your nearest node um, instead of always consulting it from the you know uh, AWS data center that's in you know uh, in the states or or wherever so it kind of gives you this geographical spread at 
the same time as a kind of additional benefit of decentralization. I always wonder about that, though, because it's like it doesn't quite I guess, is that more of an assumption that efficiency would be improved? I'm, I'm trying to understand exactly what the like, for sure benefits of decentralizing this are. Is it does yeah. it have to be for a proper decentralized Web3 system? Is it because it's actually more efficient? Or are we actually battling inefficiency? Well, I mean, <laughs> now this, this question is already touching on the kind of fundamental of, of why decentralization? Why do we need decentralized apps in the first place? That's an interesting topic in itself and touches on the stuff we talked earlier about like vendor lock-in and trust and all that stuff but in terms of pure uh, efficiency how about we think about it like this so one aspect to efficiency is also reducing the kind of uh, wasted capacity out there like people have internet connections they're not using they have storage that they're not using would that be a reasonable aspect to add to the kind of efficiency con uh, conversation that this is like a way for you to make your idle resources more useful um, uh, that also adds to um, to the whole picture and it's not like you're you know burning energy to mine bitcoin it's more like you're contributing useful things to the network which is what every decentralized network really should be that making use of resources that would otherwise be just just wasted and allowing people to monetize on that idle capacity maybe i'm also uh sort of mixing that up with the concept of speed like is it actually faster well not not necessarily i mean <clears throat> in a decentralized network and especially messaging you kind of navigate the landscape of, of latency versus privacy for example as we discussed in the whisper use case so you can think of it as a kind of uh, one-dimensional um, picture where on the other end there's privacy and multiple hops and very very high latency because the message travels all around before reaching its uh, destination kind of like an onion tactic employed in the tor network right and on the other hand you have super efficient like the data travels directly uh, via the shortest possible route to its uh, destination but that also makes it less robust because on that there can be only one shortest path right it, it by definition right and if something happens to that shortest path maybe a node goes down maybe some attack somebody attacks that uh, shortest path or whatever then your messages no longer make it to their destination so and you're kind no of redundancy there yeah so you're yeah. kind of always balancing between which properties of the network are uh, beneficial to you and most important to you and which are not that important to you and whisper for example shows that yeah the, the privacy is much more important than than latency so we can sacrifice latency and just focus on on the privacy and in our use cases like iot and smart cities financial data stuff like that uh, we 
do want to take care of the latency we never achieve maybe better latency than uh, you know <laughs> uh, like some direct uh, connection between those but that doesn't exist in the centralized world either so you know so if i'm in switzerland and frederick is in in sweden right so if i want to send a message to uh, to frederick uh, via a cloud service that is on the aws in the united states that's hardly the the shortest path mm. either right so i could peer-to-peer -peer, um, message like um, frederick on the internet and it would probably take a reasonably um, fast route to frederick but then again i need to know who i'm sending the the message too because that's all the kind of uh, tcp ip stack uh, offers me like i have to know who i'm connecting to and if you have the pub sub um, primitive then that is removed which makes it easier for for everyone but it does require either the central party which could be uh, far away uh, destroying the latency or it can be decentralized that allows it to sometimes find a better route to frederick than going through the states you know so it depends on the network topology and how the routing in the network uh, works I mean, efficiency at the end of the day, it's always sort of comes down to use case and like what you're actually trying to do. If, if efficiency is used throughput, then maybe centralized system is not that bad. But if it's uh, latency, then it's actually relatively easy to build a more efficient system. Like you're saying, like, it doesn't make sense to go through AWS servers for every message. Um, especially like in, in an IoT setup, if you're like have one sensor in a factory producing like data and then you have a bunch of data consumers that are like at the workstations of some other machines or some other people in that same factory then you have a direct connection in, in that house that's actually like a, a story that i came across i was talking to someone can't remember who um or i read this i don't know the story anyway is that someone set up an ipfs node inside like their office and switched all their NPM package uh, links to be IPFS links. So instead of downloading every single package off of NPM, uh, it just it did that once, and then it was cached in the IPFS nodes locally, and so the office internet could go down and people could still run NPM install. Um, like that, that's like you could do that before with uh, cache server setup and blah blah blah. Like you, you could make that work. But it's easy and like it, it, it solves the problem pretty neatly. Yeah, exactly. And now we've been just discussing like the open global network uh, version of Streamer. But you could imagine that there could be like um, private versions, maybe in a factory or a, a consortium of companies that want to do some real-time data sharing and, and stuff like that. And it would be far beneficial to them and far more like a equal uh, equal playground so so to say that there's no there's no leading um participant that sets up and hosts the system there's also no cloud service that everyone needs to interact through but instead each participant in this private network can run a node and they can freely exchange data and if some of them you know they go down they appear again that doesn't really harm the network everyone's equal in power so they have this kind of 
neutral ground where their applications or you know smart devices or whatever can meet and exchange data so it it can be kind of deployed in many different scenarios and in each of these it kind of gives slightly different benefits um, um, compared to the cloud or the other kind of deployments so in the open like global uh, deployment you get things like your idle resource monetization maybe better latency and in the private in the private deployment you get like uh, equality of participants and and so on so yeah it's uh, it's pretty flexible this kind of primitive and we're we're seeing demand for this and we get some requests uh, about how to how to deploy this to various use cases and how to use it in various use cases of course we're quite early still as i as i said so we don't really have like a production version of the peer-to-peer network mm. but uh, seems to us uh, that there's use use for this kind of stuff in many many different places and we're super excited about like learning that so as you just mentioned, it's quite early, but are there real-world examples that you, like, you mentioned it's not production-ready, but, like, at least conceptually, have they already been, like, fully thought out? Yeah, there's a bunch of pilots that we're we're working on with, with various parties. Um, there's been a couple of recent blog posts about them. So, so there's, for example, this traffic model um, pilot going on where... Uh, location data is being kind of crowdsourced and that data is being used to build better traffic models for an area it's actually the con- whole, whole country of georgia uh, where this traffic model is being built um, to a- allow them to better plan things like where to build roads where to add like public transport lines and stuff like that uh, another interesting example is like um, pollution monitoring in in cities so we are working on this pilot in um, in London where a certain neighborhood there's people who host this kind of um, device a, a pollution sensor um, in their homes or you know on their roof or uh, by their window or, or whatever and this data is being contributed to a stream that's being offered as a product also on the streamer marketplace and then anyone interested in this data can go and get it from there and this could include you know the city officials it could include you know concerned parents who um uh, who can see that you know their kid is taking the most polluted route to their school every day and they might want to you know work around that in some way so there's uh, many kind of use cases for especially the concept of being able to to crowdsource data you just mentioned this marketplace um or you had mentioned it a couple times are you are you actually like looking when you say marketplace is it that people would be paying for other people's data like is that this yeah yeah that's exactly what it is so so you can put data onto the network 
then you can set a price for that data or, or make it free. And if someone wants it, they're going to pay you for it. So we have kind of time-based licenses. So you can buy access to a data stream or a set of data streams for, for like, you know, one hour or one week or one month. Um, so it's very flexible. Um, but today the marketplace is still kind of a proof of concept. We wanted to kind of show where the world can be headed with uh, by combining this kind of uh, real-time data network and blockchain so there's not a huge amount of content at the moment on the marketplace also actively working to um to explore the possibilities but one like crucial feature that we're still missing and we're currently working on that is something we call community products and that exactly means the data crowdsourcing idea where a number of data producers can contribute data to a single pool um, and then when someone buys that product buys access to that data then the payment gets shared between the different data producers so if there's 50 people contributing pollution data someone buys it then those 50 people get paid for it so in this example you can kind of um, earn money by hosting that sensor in your home and that is something that has been completely infeasible like before this kind of technology so so and, and no one has the answers in their back pocket like what what can this be used for what should this be used for so it's something that we're excited to explore to be clear uh you, you buy access to a data stream it's not like a lot of other projects you know like new cipher or whatever talk about a data marketplace as in you know, I have this PDF that I upload and it gets encrypted yeah, and stored yeah, somewhere yeah. and you buy access to it. it, it it's not data that's stored anywhere. Then when you pay, you, you get this chunk of data. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly. So we're very real-time data uh, focused. So we don't, our marketplace doesn't have files or, you know, static data sets or anything like that. It's quite purely about real-time data and getting that kind of, event streams out of there we do store the history of of messages so sometimes that has value sometimes it's a different product you might have like two products one of them contains the history and one doesn't there might be like different licensing reasons for for this and so on um, but anyway the primitives that we are building on the network level um, mainly support this real-time data use case and that's also the mindset we have for the marketplace that also lets you sort of work around a little bit of the the gaming issue that you know exists in these other things where you know if you have a super high value set of data like i upload this file and it's worth a thousand bucks you want to be sure that what you get for that thousand bucks is actually what's what it says on the package. And if it's a completely decentralized network without identities, how do you prevent this from system from being gamed? But in your scenario, it's more like, well, I can buy a minute access to this data stream, check if it's right, and if it is, I'll keep buying it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like people ask, like, do I get trial? Do I get trial periods to these products or whatever? And we say, like why you can buy it for you know half an hour and and see what it is and then decide if you want to continue with that and that makes it very feasible and very 
uh, approachable as well but of course as you mentioned like one one problem in this kind of systems where well always when users can provide content is of course piracy right everyone uploads the latest disney movie to youtube like every <laughs> every 15 minutes or or so and then they take it down but in a completely decentralized system with no no police no identity it's much easier to commit this kind of thing so maybe you have a high value file in some other system or a high value data stream in in our marketplace someone buys it and publishes the exact same thing for half the price so how how do you kind of prevent this kind of things from happening it's it's like um well, in one sense, it's an uh, unsolved problem. Like uh, um, everyone, everyone will encounter this kind of stuff. It's also a matter of trust. Trust. I mean, if if you are building a business critical application, let's say you're, you know, driving your robot cars or trading cryptos or trading stocks or whatever, would you rather trust the original source or would you base your whole business on data from a pirate you know so it's a fair question to ask there can also be even if there's no like central authority you can have some kind of community um governance uh, of the content itself so there could be like a reputation mechanism and maybe um, the community can vote some of them to you know get out of our marketplace we don't want you here kind of things so this is something we'll be considering in the longer term but the first version of the marketplace is just to kind of show that yeah this is this is this is possible you can have data licenses as mm. smart contracts on the blockchain and interacting with those can grant you access to data on a on a decentralized network so it's all about proving kind of the the pattern there but the devil's in, is in uh, devil is in the details, of course, as always. We had discussed this idea of incremental decentralization. Maybe we can talk a little bit about that. What we mean with that is that our goal is to maintain a functioning production level system at all times while uh, while heading towards the big vision and full decentralization so this is an approach that some projects takes and, and some projects don't um, but we we didn't want to do the thing like we go you know underground for three years and develop something and then emerge with a beautiful decentralized solution instead we wanted to ship some value on day one and communicate that yeah this uh, decentralization is where we're headed but you can already use the system um, even though it still depends on us so over time we're gonna make ourselves unnecessary in the system but we're not quite there yet so so uh, yeah i think that approach delivers the most value to the user which is of course the most important thing for us some like very um I idealistic purists might disagree that yeah like it's it's either decentralized or it's nothing you know and and that's fine um in a sense i i i don't disagree with that and we're working towards that but it's just easier to explore these things and avoid doing the wrong things if you can get pretty 
immediate user feedback and show them already like okay this is working this is how you use it even though how you use it might change a little bit on the way but still i mean it's so useful for communicating the ideas to have something that's working and it's also proving our ability to to ship things you know we're we're not just saying you know we're not just we're not just having these far-reaching visions and actually not shipping anything. So I, I think it, I think this approach works for us and our community and our users pretty well. I think a lot of uh, vaporware sort of comes from a place where they're super well-intentioned, they have a really good idea, and they sit down and they want to build the perfect thing. Uh, but they get used to not shipping things and they live in this mode of not shipping things for so long that eventually like they get they get trapped in this idea of making the perfect thing with the perfect APIs with the perfect whatever and you just end up never shipping anything and eventually the company dies or people get exactly. disinterested and the risk risk of kind of flopping uh, is increased all the time so if you've been kind of building a project for you know three or four years and then a launch is nearing by and you know everything is you know uh, everything is hot your your volume is your, your token is sky high because of the speculation and then you release you finally release this big big bang release of your system and then uh, it's not as good as expected then you know it will just be a, a huge disaster so <laughs> we rather took the approach of just you know showing what we have showing where we are being very transparent shipping things continuously uh, all the time and acknowledging that it takes time to get to the end result but at, at least we're kind of taking this no bullshit approach which is uh, which is important to us so <laughs> Cool. Well, I think on that point, we can probably wrap. I want to say thanks so much for coming on the podcast, Henry. Thank you very much. Thanks, Anna and Frederick. I had a, a lot of fun doing this. So <laughs> <laughs> Nice. And to our listeners, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. <laughs>